Hello, and thank you for joining us today. As always, it is such a pleasure and a blessing to be with you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. This is something that's often said, but where does it come from and what does it actually mean? The joy of the Lord is my strength is a verse, and this verse comes from the book of Nehemiah. But what's important is that we understand the context of the verse. What we, we understand where the people were, what they were dealing with, where they were coming, for, coming from. But before I get into that, I want to get into a little bit of the history and a little bit of the backstory of how we actually get to this verse. The book of Nehemiah does not specifically name an author, but both Jewish and Christian traditions recognize Ezra, the prophet Ezra, as the author. This is based on the fact that the book of Ezra and Nehemiah were originally one writing. When we look at the dating of the writing, the book of Nehemiah was likely written between 445 and 420 BC. And the purpose of the writing was a historical book in the Bible that continues the story of Israel's return from their exile from Babylon, where in 589, King Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem, and in 586, they tore down Solomon's temple. The book of Nehemiah takes place where Nehemiah is returning to Jerusalem to help rebuild or to build a wall. And this takes place in 444 BC, some 145 years after they were taken to Babylon. This is important because the Hebrews were returning from their captivity, from their slavery, and they were rebuilding Jerusalem. Nehemiah himself, he was a Hebrew in Persia. When word reached him that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be reconstructed, he grew anxious knowing that there was no wall to protect the city. And Nehemiah, he, he invited God to use him to save the city. He begged him, he petitioned him, and God answered his prayers and softened the heart of the Persian king at that time. And we must remember, this is This is 145 years after Nebuchadnezzar. This is under a new king. And this king not only gave his blessing, but he also supplied, he, he supplied Nebuchadnezzar with all of the supplies that Nebuchadnezzar needed for the project. And Nehemiah was not only given permission by the king, but he was also made governor. In spite of all oppositions and accusations, the wall was built and all enemies were silenced. The people inspired by Nehemiah gave ties. They gave much money. They gave supplies. They gave workforce to be able to rebuild the wall. And remarkably, this wall was rebuilt in 52 days, despite all the opposition that they faced. This united effort was was short-lived, however, though, because Jerusalem fell back into apostasy when Nehemiah leaves for just a little while. When he returned to Jerusalem, Nehemiah found that the walls were strong, but the people were weak. He set about the task of teaching people morality, and he didn't make any qualms in his words. Nehemiah 13.25 says this, it says, I argued with those people. I put curses on them, I hit them, and I pulled their hair. He reestablished the true worship through prayer and by encouraging the people and the revival of, of the reading of the word and adhering to God's word. You know, Nehemiah was a man of prayer. 
He petitioned and he prayed passionately for the people. His intercession for God's people foreshadowed the great intercessor, Jesus Christ. Both Nehemiah and Jesus had a love for God's people, which they both sought God for, with prayer, petitioning God for them. So when we look at this verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength, is found in Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 9 and 10. And this is where Ezra the scribe reads the words of God's law. And remember, the people have turned away. Nehemiah has come back and found that they are morally corrupt. And this is Ezra. Ezra is reading God's law to the people. And the people stand in reverence for hours, listening to God's word being read. And they understand it. But most importantly, the people begin to weep. For all the people wept when they had heard the words of the law. Nehemiah 8, 9-10 through 10 says this, Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were interpreting for the people, said to them, Don't mourn or weep on such a day as this. For today is a sacred day before the Lord God. For the people had all been weeping as they had listened to the words of the law. And Nehemiah continued, Go and celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks, and share gifts of food with people that have nothing prepared. This is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, when we feel sorrow, whether it's in the revelation of our sin or because of our difficult circumstances, we often wonder where our strength is going to come from. But it is important to remember that the joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, these people were morally corrupt. They had fallen back into their, their old ways of not knowing truth and not following truth. And did you catch that? When they was reading, when Ezra was reading the word, the people began to weep. They wept. And they are told not to weep. But why did they weep? They wept because they understood the truth. They understood the revelation of their sin. But what is the joy of the Lord? You see, this is a joy that we can't create by ourselves. It's not on our own power. It only comes from one source, and that source is the Lord. And thank God it is not our human joy. It is a joy of the Lord. To put it another way, it is the joy God has or the joy that God possesses. Now, can you imagine the amount of joy God has? You see, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. We're told that the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It is the fruit of what God is. It is the fruit of the Spirit. What's even more amazing is that God's joy centers around us. Hebrews 12.2 says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before Him. That's the, the relationship with us. And Zephaniah 3.17 says that God rejoices over us with singing. You see, you think about that. 
Jesus Christ endured what he endured on the cross, which words cannot even explain what he went through. And Scripture tells us there in Hebrew 12 too, for the joy set before him, he endured what he endured on the cross. Have you ever thought about the fact that being in a relationship with, with you makes God happy? Knowing that God feels this way about us should ignite a joy within us that should make us stand and shout and yell because of what the Lord has done for us. And those of us that are repentive of our sin, those of us that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have the promise of eternal life. And that is what, this is what the Hebrews saw when they were read the word, the word resonated in them. They understood the truth of the word and it brought them to weeping. This is when they're told, rejoice in the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength. You see, we have examples from Nehemiah 8. As Nehemiah read those words of the law and those people were mourning as they were pouring out their heart, this, this foreshadows the same thing that each believer goes through as they pour out their heart in repentance to Christ. Their joy was realized because even though a knowledge of the truth which caused them sorrow, it also gave them divine direction. 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. You see, when we keep our eyes on the Lord, when we keep fixated on God, it doesn't matter what is happening in the world around us. It doesn't matter about stay-at-home orders. It doesn't matter about global pandemics. It doesn't matter about anything that could happen in our lives because at the end of it all, He who is for us, then who can be against us? And that those of us that believe in Christ, that believe Jesus is who He says He was, and we are led to repentance by the truth, and that truth shall set us free. And that the Word tells us, Scripture tells us that Life is but a midst. We're here one minute and gone the next. That even in the midst of our trials and even in the midst of our troubles, God is for us. God is with us. And God gives us strength. And because of that strength, we can have the joy of the Lord. Many times... In life, when we when we struggle and we feel like that strength, right? That, it, that we talked about that, that strength is is leaving us. That it's mounting up. Maybe it's certain circumstances. The devil uses that against us to be able to pile on pile on the future problems that we have, and our mind wanders and it starts to begin. It begins to think about what else. Could happen. What what else do you have to deal with? How much worse things could get, or what other opposition could be headed our way? 
but when we remember what Christ has done for us, the truth that is there, the truth that sets us free, the only thing that we should be overwhelmed with and overcome with is not fear, it is not anxiety, it is not stress. It should be the joy of what the Lord has done for us. And that should give us strength. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that the Lord reminds us, that the Holy Spirit inside of each one of us reminds us every time we we feel like we're losing strength. Every time we have doubt, every time we have stress, every time we have anxiety, I want to pray for you that the Word reminds, you, reminds us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So pray with me now if you would. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your Word. Thank you that it is, that it leads us to Repentance. And that our faith comes by reading your word and understanding your word. We thank you, Lord, that that throughout the Old Testament, as we look through today, look at today, it just echoes. It echoes the Son. It echoes Jesus Christ throughout, from the beginning of the Bible through the end. Lord, I pray that for each person that is listening today, I pray that in times where we feel like our strength is weighing down, that we can walk in victory knowing, Lord, that you are with us. And that our our strength doesn't come on our own accord. It doesn't come from anything that we could do or that we could have, but that our joy comes from you. That our joy is laid out. But what you have done for us, and that we are more than conquerors, that you are the perfecter of our faith, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray that during times of, of these times of trouble in our lives, these times where so many people around the world are dealing with so many different things, where life has its own challenges and troubles, but now in this world that we live in, it seems even more amplified and more multiplied. Lord, I pray that we would just rush back to your word, I pray that you would give us the strength, that the Holy Spirit would remind us of the joy that is in you. And it is not something that we try to manufacture on ourselves and for ourselves. Lord, I thank you so much. I pray that these words would help minister to other people and that your word would strengthen and encourage us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, there may be somebody out there that, as I was talking today, you, you understand this, this lead to repentance. That you feel almost drowned by the struggles that you're dealing with. That you have no strength left. That you are completely lost. There are so many people like that. I want to tell you today that there is a truth, that there is a way, that this joy that we talk about, what Christ has done for all of those that believe in Him, 
that you can walk in that as well, that you can walk in that strength, that you can walk in that joy as well. You see, the Bible tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. As I mentioned today, when the Hebrews were crying, it is because they understood their sin. They understood their need for repentance of their sin. And you see, Jesus says that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no one goes to the Father except through him. You see, there is no other way to God. Only Jesus is the way to God. And so many times in our carnal mind, we think, oh, if we do a bunch of good stuff, that maybe we can get to heaven. If you're a good person, that you can get to heaven. But the problem with that is we're already guilty of so many things. The justice has to be served. That we cannot stand before a perfect and holy God with the sin that is in our lives. No matter how many great things or good things that we think we do, they are all rubble. But Jesus came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. God in the flesh came to this earth, lived a sinless life. He died and rose from the dead. Where he overcame sin and he overcame death. So that anyone that believes in him can have eternal life. So this is a change of heart. This is a repentance of sin. So if you believe that Jesus is who he says he was and you repent of your sins, the Bible tells us, Scripture tells us, that you can be saved. Now there is no specific prayer that Scripture tells us that someone must pray It's just a confession of your mouth and a believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and that he conquered sin and death. If you believe that today, if you're repenting of your sins, if you feel the weight of your sin upon yourself and you cry out to God today, you can be saved. I'd like to invite you to to say a prayer, to repeat some words after me. As I mentioned before, these, there's no necessarily specific prayer to pray. It's just a confession of your mouth and a changing in our heart that leads us to our salvation. So if that's you today, and if you feel that tug at your heart, and you feel that, I don't know, I, that, that battle, that internal battle that's going on, that is a spiritual battle, that is... That is That is a spiritual thing that is happening. If that's you today, repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. And I am desperately in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That He died and rose from the dead as payment for my sins. Please forgive me for my sins. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for allowing me to spend eternity in heaven with you. I will follow you, Lord Jesus, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that's you today and you prayed that prayer, I would ask that you message us, email us, so that we can celebrate with you. Your next steps are to get plugged into a local Bible-believing church. Pray. Seek God in prayer. It's a relationship. Reach out to Him as you pray. Be still and listen, and the Spirit of God will speak to you 
and read your Bible daily so that you can understand the things of God and that you can grow in your maturity as a Christian. The Bible tells us that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. If that's you today, there are angels in heaven that are rejoicing over your repentance. I want to thank you today. I want to ask that you would please like, share, subscribe so that this message can reach more people for Christ. God bless.